If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. And this wasn't on the list and you can give me a really quick one-liner answer. It's my own personal question. When are you going to retire? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. Have you ever wished you had an on-demand mentor that could provide advice on how to improve your customer experience or scale your business? Well, HubSpot's got you covered. Introducing the HubSpot Podcast Network. It's a one-stop audio destination for business professionals looking for education and inspiration on how to grow better. With access to a collection of marketing, sales, service, and operations shows, you'll have all the information you need as your company goes from startup to scale up and beyond. Listen, learn, and grow with the HubSpot Podcast Network at HubSpot.com slash Podcast Network. Well, hello there, Kylie. Hey, Jenna. Hey, I get a little nervous when we do these episodes, specifically the Ask Me Anything episodes, but having you with me makes this way more fun. It's just like we're chatting, you know, we're sitting around, like maybe we're up to a bar, except not a bar. Maybe we're at a coffee shop (laughs) and I'm just asking you all the deep personal questions on behalf of all of the Gold Digger listeners who want to know about Jenna behind the mic. Yeah, you know, I'm excited. It's actually been quite a while since we've done like a more personal based episode and for me there's a part of me every single time that's like nobody wants to know these things but every single time these are the ones that people tune into and I think it just shows how humans crave humans and like we're very curious and it, and it makes it so fun and I love listening back to these down the road like these are kind of like my diary online 
<laughs> yeah, they're super fun. I mean, I'm curious too, because I know you on a boss level and like, you know, a, a professional level. And I know a little bit of your personal life. You know, we've hung out, we've done our team retreats, but these are always like, okay, let's learn about Jenna. And it's like questions I would never even think to ask because our listeners are awesome. That's right. I was just going to say, thank God we have very curious people in our community in the best way possible. So today is all about them. Are you ready to dive in? I'm ready. Let's get started. Okay. Destiny Anne. I had to say Destiny really long. She has a couple of Y's in her name. She wants to know, how did you overcome your anxiety after your miscarriages? So we're getting in deep real fast. Yeah. Well, this is a really good question. And I was actually just sitting down with a friend the other day And we were just kind of talking about the whole journey. It's like with my growing belly and the need for compression socks, which I'm sure we'll talk about. I just was very reflective on what the process looked like to get here. And it's so fascinating because I think a lot of people who have never been through miscarriage, they kind of assume that like once you have a baby, it fixes the past or it kind of replaces those losses. And I know it was really interesting when I found out the day I found out I was pregnant with Coco, I actually opened up a Google Doc and started typing letters to her. And that's like one of my most treasured documents of all time. But I was reading it the other day, just kind of rolling down memory lane. And it was crazy reading the roller coaster I was on mentally trying to process that I'm pregnant again. And is this gonna work. And the letters to her would go from being like, I believe you are coming. I believe you are here. And then the next one would be like, is this even real? Like, is this going to happen? And I really, really struggled in connecting with her pregnancy. One, because I was so worried about losing it. But two, I actually felt a lot of guilt knowing that so many people are continuing to struggle with loss and like, how am I so lucky? It's almost like survivor's guilt. So it was very, very nuanced and complicated. And I think that I had to go into my third pregnancy, which was Coco's, just believing that I did absolutely everything in my power to support it. And that whatever happened, I couldn't blame myself again because I'd already done that twice and that was not the way to heal. That was not healthy. And so going into this fourth pregnancy now, I did that same thing. I gave myself a really long runway to just optimize my health, to have as many answers as I could about my body, to support my body as much as I could. And that way, at least I knew going into the pregnancy that I did everything I could in my power and the rest was up to God. So I think it's really, really hard. I don't think there's a perfect answer. I don't think you overcome your anxiety, but I think if you can learn to manage it, and I think so much of that happens in the healing process after the loss. And for us, it took us literally a full year each time before we were even ready to try again. And so it wasn't a quick process by any means. I know you probably hear this a lot from people who know your story. And for me, as a woman approaching the thought of starting a family, your transparency through all of this has just made me feel more aware and prepared for everything that pregnancy could bring. So just on a personal level, thank you for sharing in the way that you share. It's made me both hopeful, but 
just aware. And I think awareness is what's going to help my anxiety as I approach trying to maybe become a mother. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think it's interesting because it's still a tough topic to talk about, but it's also so much a part of my life that it would feel weird to skip it. You know, it's like, I feel the other day I was at the grocery store and the lady kind of looked at my belly and was like, oh, is this your first? And I wanted to say, well, it's my fourth. But my second kid, but it's like, no, Mary Lou at Super One Foods does not want to hear the whole story. But there is this piece of me that's like, don't discount the rain that, you know, brought brought upon the rainbow. And I think it's just something that one is like such a delicate thing. But two, it's such a meaningful thing and it shapes you. It really does. So, yeah. Well, then that's a perfect transition into a question from Marissa, our lovely, wonderful, talented integrator. She wants to know what fears have changed and which have stayed the same, if any, in stepping into motherhood for the first time versus the second time. So it's interesting. I I don't know if people, if you've been a longtime listener of the show, there is an episode from years ago titled Why I'm Afraid to Have a Baby. Literally me, <laughs> talking to the microphone about all the reasons why I was afraid to have a baby. And this was before we had even started trying, before our losses, before everything. And so it's really interesting to look back at that. And I think too, I'm at a place where some of my friends are getting pregnant and people in my family are getting pregnant. And I always want to like shape the journey in a way of like, it's not about what you're losing because I think I was so focused on losing my freedom, losing sleep, losing financial things, like things like that, where I was really focused on what I was losing and I couldn't quite grasp what I was gaining. And it's interesting. I think my biggest fear is being able to balance two kids, like having Coco and just being able to like invest fully in her and be present fully with her. And like, she is the center of our world. I know that people say your heart expands in a way you never thought. And it, and I believe that. I truly believe that. But I don't know what that is because I haven't experienced it. And so I think that it's going to be so hard for me to like split my time between my first baby and my second baby and juggle both and feel like I'm there for both of them while also, you know, being an entrepreneur and a wife and a friend and everything else. So I think that's my greatest fear. But one of the things that I think I'm so grateful for having the experience of been through it once is that I have this knowledge of like everything is temporary. So like the hard parts are temporary. The sleepless nights, it's all so temporary. It's so fleeting. You like barely even remember it. And so I love that. And I think it's making my pregnancy a lot easier because I just know how fast it all goes. But yeah, I think just the fear of like splitting myself into even more identities is the thing. And that was with Coco and now with the second one. But I also just have so much faith that we're able to morph and adapt and evolve. Like watching your body go through a pregnancy is bananas. Drew and I were giggling (laughs) so hard last night because every night I like oil up my belly and he was laughing so hard because my boobs look like roadmaps. (laughs) Like the veins in your boobs are insane. So Drew pointed at a vein and he's like, if you take I-35 and you take a left and we were just cracking up so hard. And like, 
watching how just your body evolves to like support this life just reminds me that like beyond just our bodies, like we as humans evolve in a way that supports what's coming next. And it's just so crazy. We have so many good laughs about pregnancy. It's the best. I know I you posted a updated bump photo on your Instagram stories and I texted you and I was like oh my gosh it's real like yeah. I know you're pregnant like you've been pregnant for many months now and like we know but just seeing it again I'm like holy cow we have no. another baby Kutcher coming and that's so exciting because that's the season of life you were in when I met you I know I'm having lots of deja vu to be honest yeah <laughs> gosh how far I've come, we've come, the yes. show's come. It's really, really wild to it think is about. It's wild. Oh. So you referenced this a couple times when talking about your fears and things that are fleeting and the sleep topic <laughs> has already come up. And there's a lot of questions about sleep training for Coco. Yeah. Me as a non-mom, I don't know what that is. So <laughs> Lindsay Edson wants to know, first of all, do you co-sleep sometimes with Coco? And did you sleep train Coco? Yeah. This is like a number one question. I think it's fascinating. And I'm pretty sure the people asking it are the sleep deprived mothers, which makes total sense. So sleep training, here's the thing about parenting. So many things are so like repelling to people. Like there's like camps of people that are like pro this or anti this. And it's wild because I never knew how like crazy it could be. So Sleep was literally one of my greatest concerns. And I am just someone who has always valued sleep. I love sleep. I need sleep to function. And so parenthood and the lack of sleep really freaked me out a lot. We were so giddy when Coco was born. I think just after waiting three years and the journey we went through and the fact that Drew finally got to like have his dream fulfilled to be a stay-at-home dad. And we were so privileged that we didn't have the pressures of alarm clocks going off in the morning or having to clock into a nine to five or anything like that. We would just sit awake at three in the morning. We'd turn our little lamps on, look at each other in our beds, have Coco nursing or I'd be pumping or whatever. And we would just smile. And it was like, those are honestly some of my favorite moments. However, we were laughing the other day because Coco's first year of her life was actually kind of crazy. We traveled so much with her. And I think part of it was, again, we were so worried we were going to lose our ability to travel that we like went maybe a little too gung-ho. She went to Hawaii multiple times. We went to Fiji, Australia, New Zealand, California, New York. Like she was everywhere. That girl had more frequent flyers than a lot of adults have in their <laughs> lifetime, but she was so flexible. She was a really good baby. And so we weren't very strict when it came to sleep schedules until she was about a year old. And I think it's going to be very different with this baby number two, because we found that having routine and consistency is so good for all of us, for her and for us. And so she actually didn't really sleep through the night until she was like a year and a couple months. And I would just get up and nurse her in the middle of the night. And I didn't hate it. It was still a really special time for her and I to bond. But 
once she started sleeping through the night, oh man, game over in the best way possible. And so she is an excellent sleeper now. She goes to bed around 8 p.m. and wakes up around 8 a.m. Today she got out of bed at 8.30 and she still takes a three-hour nap, which is kind of rare. So we are like wildly blessed, but I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we very much stick to a schedule now and we all look forward to the times where she's awake and the times where she's asleep. <laughs> and she is very content with being alone with herself, which I absolutely adore. And so she loves to be in her crib and she sings songs and talks to herself and tells stories and snuggles with her little lovey and Baba. And it's the best. So sleep training, I'm a huge fan of. I'm like a gentle fan of it. We didn't do like the cry it out method for a million days. We were just trying to figure out what worked for her and what worked for us. And now we get really good sleep and that's the best. And I know it's about to change. <laughs> <laughs> so just the other part of that is do you co-sleep? Oh, yeah. I know there's, so, why is there so much like shame and judgment wrapped I up in the choices know. mothers and fathers make with their children like you this? You know, it's so funny. I was just telling my grandpa was over yesterday and I was telling him about, so my dad, when we were growing up, I promise this will answer the question, but my dad, when we were growing up, worked shift work. So he worked like overnight shifts a lot. And whenever he did, we would beg to sleep with my mom. Like it was our favorite. So like even growing up, like I would always take turns with my sister and sleep with my mom. And then my dad would get home in the morning and say, hey, kiddo, time to get up. Thanks for keeping my spot warm. And then he'd take over our spot. Aww. And so co-sleeping as a grown child, like we were like pro that. Even when my mom comes over to this day, like I'll go lay by her and we'll just talk in bed. It's like some of our special times. But what's so funny is, is I co-slept with Coco only when she was really little in the sense of like she would be nursing and we'd both fall asleep because we were just so tired. But she's actually not a big cuddler. So she never sleeps in bed with us. And I kind of appreciate that just because I like quality sleep. But I shouldn't even say that because our dogs sleep with us and they are the worst. Like I think Coco would be a better co-sleeper than Tucker and <laughs> Chloe. But yeah, so she doesn't co-sleep with us. She does really, really well on her own. We do really well on our own together. And it's not that I'm opposed to it. It just she's not a snuggler. So I'm cool with it. <laughs> well, okay. So we've talked about Coco and your pregnancy. And there's something you shared with the team about the second pregnancy. And I know you've shared a little bit publicly too on your Instagram. But JM Lamp wants to know what abnormality did you find with baby number two? Yeah. So we were kind of on a little bit of a roller coaster ride for a hot minute, more like a couple weeks. So we had our 20 week ultrasound and I just like was very conscious thinking like everything's going to be great. You know, I've made it this far and everything was really good at our ultrasound. The baby was like hiding kind of, and we couldn't see its face and heart. And anyways, we finished up the ultrasound. We sat down with my OB and I could see the paperwork in front of her and everything was checked off on normal except for one spot and it had an exclamation point C below. And she accidentally turned to that page and I saw that and I like just kind of blacked out and like missed everything else that she was telling me was normal. And so it's actually so what I was so freaked out about is basically 
It's so weird. Your umbilical cord attaches to your placenta and that is the lifeline for the baby. And mine attached way on the edge of my placenta. So usually it's in the middle. It gives good blood flow, all the things that the baby needs, nutrients. And the way mine attached just makes it a little higher risk. It's not super uncommon. It's more common in people that have twins or triplets or go through IVF, which we did not. And so what freaked me out the most was just that my doctor had said, so we're going to be doing closer monitoring. When you get to 32 weeks, we'll decide you know, if the baby will do better on the outside or if it can stay inside. And we're just watching to make sure that it's still growing. And of course, at the time, I'm like, okay, wait, that's okay. But then when I started thinking about it, I started freaking out because I'm like, that's two months early. That means a NICU baby with COVID. That means Coco won't meet her sibling. I'm going to be in the hospital. I'm going to be pumping like, and my brain just like went crazy. And of course they say don't Google things. And so then when I was Googling it, I'm like, I'm going to have to have a C-section. I'm going to have an early baby. I'm going to have a tiny baby, like all these things. And so thankfully after a weekend of spiraling, I emailed my OB and she felt really confident that we weren't going to have too many complications and that hopefully we can go as close to full term as possible and that all will be well. And so I think part of me was really grieving just in the sense of, I think this will be our last child. For the most part, we are pretty confident in that decision. And I loved the birth process. Like even though mine was not perfect by any means, I loved it. And thinking of having a C-section was just something that I knew I had to wrap my head around. And obviously it's still a possibility that that could be the outcome, which I think I'll do anything to keep us both safe. But it's just crazy because there's so much out of your control. And when you're pregnant, it's like you feel like your baby is safe inside of you. But the second you think that something might be wrong, it kind of makes you second guess and question everything. So we're very hopeful. We're just going to be doing closer monitoring for the rest of my pregnancy. And I'm just hoping to make it as far as I can with this baby. So yeah, kind of wild. So it's called marginal cord insertion. Don't Google it. It freaks you out. (laughs) (laughs) Don't Google anything medical, please. (laughs) I know we all know that, but then what do we do? You know? Yeah, we go right to it. You know, I just a little anecdote here. I when you shared that with the team, it was such a testament to this group of women you've assembled to support you in the business because our first thoughts were, we were like worried about you and we we're like, the business will figure itself out. Yeah. Like we've got this. And we were just, we we're like, how do we make sure baby number two is as mm-hmm. safe and healthy as we all need it? And so it's just so wonderful knowing that we've been so diligently working ahead that we can be able to support you on a personal level by taking care of the business. You don't have to worry a single second about it. It's the best. And I think too, this year, especially we've proven that like life comes before work in so many different ways and in so many different examples. And it's just beautiful to like be able to live that value out and invite others to step into it too. You know, I think it's just countercultural, which is, you know, crazy at this point. Yeah. Yeah. If you've reached a point in your business where a customer relationship management platform is necessary to keep growing to the next level, well, you'll want to work with a CRM that's simple and seamless to implement and use. HubSpot's powerful CRM platform is easy to adopt, which leads to better data, richer insights, and a bigger impact on customer experience. 
Tools like HubSpot's contact timeline give you the historical context you need to get work done and connect with customers. And because all of your customer data is in one place, it can serve as a single source of information about each customer's history with your brand. Past conversations, messages, all of it. And you can take action right from the contact timeline. Make a call, enroll a contact in a sequence, schedule a meeting, and more. And if you're on the go, you can use the HubSpot mobile app. Super key for our constantly evolving online businesses. Learn more about how you can scale your company without scaling complexity at HubSpot.com. When it comes to content creation, you either do it because you love it or because you know it's a powerful business tool. Now, either way, it takes a ton of work. Whether you're building your website from scratch or struggling to manage payments, you need Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate one-stop shop that's been my go-to for almost a decade. Yes, nearly a decade. It's designed to help creators and entrepreneurs build thriving online businesses with steady recurring income. Whether it's blogging, coaching, or podcasting, Kajabi makes it simple to transform your passion into profitable online courses, exclusive members sites, and so much more. Over the years, Kajabi has been my rock from hosting my signature courses like the Pinterest lab to handling transactions without taking a single penny of my money. That's right. You get to keep 100% of what you earn. With Kajabi, you get powerful analytics, simple payment options, effective email marketing tools, and beautiful website templates that you can customize. And here's a little secret. You don't need a massive following to earn a great income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi who are making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers, and you can be one of them. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash goal. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash goal. Join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion today at kajabi.com slash goal. So speaking of being a mom and a wife and a business owner and thinking about all those things at once, Love by Him wants to know, what does your day look like when you have all these very important titles to your name? It's sometimes chaotic. I'm not going to lie. No, it's been really good. And I know it's all about to change again. So I'm just embracing that and embracing that uncertainty of what that will look like. But We are so fortunate. Like I said, Coco sleeps pretty well. So Drew and I generally wake up together earlier. No alarm clocks. My biggest thing of like what success looks like is no alarm clocks. I hate alarm clocks. They like make my heart palpitate. So we have no (laughs) alarm clocks. Usually our dogs will wake us up or we'll wake up. And we usually read in bed for a little bit, which is kind of fun. It's just like a slower way to start our day. And then We usually go downstairs, I drink some lemon water with some chia seeds in it, and we watch Coco's monitor and just kind of catch up with what our plan is for the day before I go wake her up. And then her and I spend the morning together. So she has these two books that we've been reading every single morning. They're bug books. She loves bugs. So we talk about ladybugs and caterpillars and butterflies and all different kinds of bugs. And her and I just kind of take a little slow morning together and get dressed and do her hair and, and just spend that time together, just her and I, which is so special. And then we all eat breakfast together. And then I usually get to work usually before 10 is my goal, but kind of around 10. And then Drew and her hang out 
from 10 to 1, that's when her nap time is. And then I take monitor duty once she is sleeping so that Drew can go to the gym or do whatever he wants to do. So it's kind of a lot of handoffs and working and living all under one roof. There's a lot of interruptions. Coco loves to come find mommy's work. She usually wants to see what I'm working on, which is so boring. I think she thinks that like YouTube is way cooler than what I do. Um, (laughs) But it's funny because I've just learned to roll with it. Like if nothing urgent is going on and she pops in and she wants to snuggle up or tell me something or sit by me or whatever. I love that. Yeah. And then I'll work through her nap and usually I'll take a nap as well because this pregnancy has wiped me out. And then I work until five and then we usually go on a walk together or do something. And then we do dinner and bath time and bedtime for Coco. And then Drew and I eat after she goes to bed, which is something we were talking about. We probably need to change because sometimes we find ourselves eating dinner at like eight 30 at night. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. And then we go to bed at like nine 30 is our goal to be in bed. We love sleep. If I haven't mentioned that 18 times on this show. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. Jenna's daily routine. I imagine that will shift a little bit when baby mm-hmm. number two comes in. But speaking of that, knowing how you planned your leave the first time around your maternity leave, um, Seedon so wants to know how are you planning your leave differently now than you did with Coco? Yeah, this is such a good question. I always think you don't know what you don't know, right? And so with her, we planned for three months off. Kylie, you had just started as we were like in the (laughs) thick of working ahead. I like literally just learned how to spell your name and then you're on leave for three months. Right? And so... It was interesting. I think that I used to take a very much all or nothing approach to everything where I was like, I need to be fully off and this is motherhood and this is what it looks like. And what's so funny to me and what I tell new moms is like, I had no idea that babies sleep so much. Like newborns sleep 20 hours a day, legitimately. Like that's an actual like fact. Wow. And so it was so crazy to me because I was so bored and I had just come out of hustling so hard to prepare to take these months off that, you know, you can stare at a sleeping baby for hours. I did it, but I'm not a huge Netflix person. I don't really sit and watch a ton of TV. And so I was really bored. So it'd be funny because I would like log in and just be like, what's everyone doing? But there was nothing for me to do in the business. Everything had been prepared ahead of time. So this time around, I am trying to get done everything that has to get done so that I don't have to do anything while on leave, but I can jump in and do fun things if I want to. So... My goal this time is to give myself like the flexibility, like if I need to stretch a different muscle, like my brain, that I can do that without guilt and without feeling like I'm missing out on precious moments. But I don't want to feel like I have to do anything. So I think we're preparing just almost the same as we did before with all of the need to haves and must haves done in advance. So there'll be a few special projects that I'll probably be working on just whenever I have time or whenever it makes sense. But I'm really excited to have that focused rest time and just to kind of have time to settle into what it looks like as a mom of two without tons of work pressures. So not a ton different, but I think I'm just leaving more room for gray. Not everything is black and white. I don't have to be fully off or fully on. I think I'll just kind of find what feels good and trust that I know what that is. 
<laughs> it's a really fun time for I th- well I guess I can't speak for the whole team but at least for me and my role on the team I love working ahead like this with mm-hmm. you and so it's really it's nice knowing too that we also have this season of slower times when you are yeah. you know while you're in your maternity leave it's it's cool for us as a team to do that with you I think it's super cool too as a boss because I feel like when you give your team kind of those slower times after a grind. I recognize that it's a grind to prepare. I feel like people discover different things or figure out new working habits or change their schedule or find a new flow state or things like that, where it's like when you're kind of in that day-to-day routine, it's easy to miss those things. And so I really acknowledge that it's like awesome for the team too to kind of do those things that you said you'd do someday or to kind of work at a slower pace. So I welcome it and I love it. Hmm, we love it too. Okay, here's a fun one. Joelle Baweg wants to know, what was your latest Amazon purchase? <laughs> oh my gosh, I had a cart yesterday. I, I mean, a digital cart that was hilariously filled with funny things. So one, compression socks. <laughs> For real. The best. I got a few pairs and I like... I always wear like yoga pants. I'm like, these are going to look so weird, but I don't even care anymore. I also got, oh, so Coco's going to be moving to a big girl bed, which is a big deal. And we're going to kind of try to keep her in her room for as long as we can. And then we're actually just keeping the nursery the exact same for baby number two. And we're going to give Coco a new room because guess what? A baby doesn't care and Coco cares. So um, she's going to be scooting into a big bed. So I bought these like cool bumpers that go underneath her sheets so that it kind of makes almost like a little guardrail for her. And they're just foam, which I love because I was like, I want something comfortable enough so I can snuggle in bed with her and read to her without having to climb over like a fence or something. Mm -hmm. So I ordered those. And then I got this really funky pillow that is like a wedge. And then it has like a blocker because I am a back sleeper. Like I sleep on my back. And when you're in your second and third trimester, you can't sleep on your back anymore. It's bad for blood flow to the baby. And like, I actually feel like I get headaches and like stomach aches when I try to sleep on my back and that's inadvertently. So it's literally like this thing that like locks you into your side position. when you sleep. <laughs> And I'm really excited about it because I've tried all the different pregnancy pillows. I literally build a pillow fort around myself when I try to sleep. And so that was my Amazon cart. So it was pretty, pretty humorous. And I can't wait for the box to come because Drew is always like, what? is this <laughs> you have a king size bed yes we do. okay i was gonna say you need space if you're gonna have all those contraptions and fit your husband in it we have contraptions we have dogs we have pill i mean like it drew was laughing <laughs> because the amount of pillows i have now is it's getting a little overwhelming <laughs> uh, i love that Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs, 
We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top notch. Article's online only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're a great person to ask about this because you have been such a strong, important voice when it comes to body positivity. And I think you are the perfect person to give advice on this. This listener wants to know, how do I get over being ashamed of my husband seeing my body? Mm, That question like makes me teary kind of. You know, it's super interesting. I've been thinking a lot about shame, which is such a weird topic, but I've been thinking about a lot of like indoctrination about what we believe about our bodies. And I think part of it is because Coco is discovering her body a lot these days and she loves to be naked, which I fully accept and love. 
But I think too about like the language that we're taught around our bodies or how we cover our bodies or, or the first time we became aware that our bodies are different than others. And for me, it's actually been such an interesting season being pregnant again with my body just like rapidly changing, gaining weight. Like there's a lot of not so great things about being pregnant when it comes to your body. And even as someone in the body positivity space, I absolutely struggle. And I think I really struggle a lot when I'm pregnant just because I feel like people look at things like your BMI or things like that and just assume that you're unhealthy. And I don't think health is a size. But when it comes to relationships of other people seeing your body and judging it, what's so wild to me is that like men don't see our flaws. Like they marvel over our bodies and women. I mean, like, honestly, I just think bodies in general are incredible. But to answer this listener's question, you know, even in this season, I feel like I'm prone to hide my body or things like that. And like Drew last night, I was drying my hair and like came up behind me and just wrapped his arms around me and put his hands on my belly. And there's like parts of me that flinches because you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you're going to feel this or you're going to notice this. And I think that he's not feeling shame around your body. He's marveling in it. And I think so much of it is not having to do anything with him, but having to stem from your beliefs and what's been indoctrinated for you about your body. And so what's so cool is like confidence just like exudes and it's so contagious. And when people just show up confident, you don't notice anything else. And so I think it's a lot of inner work in yourself to change that dialogue of what you see, because it's probably going to reflect more so what he sees. And so a lot of grace, a lot of asking yourself those hard questions, but also just think of like the way you see him or the way you see a loved one and speak those types of words over yourself. And again, it's not a destination. It is like a day to day decision to do that. What's the quote? See yourself through the eyes of somebody who loves you. Yes. I think that's the hardest thing to do, but it eliminates so much of the inner shame talk that we put on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. Okay. Newell True Music wants to know, do you have any advice for a first time mom? Mm. I feel like I was just there. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously not an expert. I've only raised one child, but I would just say that one of the things that I think freaked me out the most was people always being like, it goes by so fast. It goes by so fast. And the reason it freaked me out was like, I was in those moments being like, am I present enough? Am I present enough? Am I going to remember everything? I'm going to, I'm going to remember everything. And it is such a blur, but it's like the most beautiful blur. And so I think that when you can even just do your best to be present and to savor the moments, recognizing that everything is temporary, everything is always changing. I think that's the thing about parenthood is that right when you think you've got it down, something changes. But that's like the beauty because it causes us to evolve and learn and grow just as our child grows. And so be as present as you can, but recognize that you know, this too shall pass both in the good and the bad. And I think just savor it as much as you can, even the hard stuff. I think if you can end the day and just marvel over this little being that you have the privilege of raising, you're doing a great job. And I think that's all that matters. And I always remind myself that kids don't have memories until they're like two or three. So you've got (laughs) a few years to figure it out, which is good. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's round it out with this question. EJS412 wants to know, can you share about your faith if you have one? Mm, Yes. So it's a really good question. So I was raised a Christian and got super, super involved in Christianity and Campus Crusade and all of those things in college. And they all served a beautiful role in my growth and in my faith and in different seasons of that. I absolutely believe in a God and I believe in prayer and things like that. And I think that my faith has just been this journey of kind of unpacking what I grew up with and what I believe to be true now. And we, you know, I think with COVID and stuff, like we got out of the habit of going to church every Sunday and things like that. But we got into some different habits that I absolutely adore. Like Drew and I do a devotional every night together. And Coco has this story time Bible that we read. And we're kind of learning how to navigate things in this post-COVID world and figure out like what that will look like. But for me, faith isn't a destination in terms of like a church. I think faith is like coming back to God and relying on him and trusting in him. And it looks different for a lot of people. And I think I'm still trying to figure out exactly what that looks like being lived out and practiced in my life. But I definitely believe that things happen for a reason and that there's a greater calling and creator out there. And yeah, one book that I recently read that really was beautiful and super, super eye-opening to me was called The Book of Longings by Sue Monk Kidd. And it's a book about Jesus' time, and it's told from the perspective of if he was married with a wife. So it's told from the female's perspective, because a lot of biblical stories were not, I mean, none of them were written by women, and women's stories were kind of removed from that. And so that book was really, really beautiful and just like a really timely book. So I highly recommend that book. But yeah, it's something that I weave into everything I do because it's just an extension of who I am. But I'm also very open-minded to the fact that not everyone agrees or has the same set of beliefs. And so it's kind of an interesting juggle of being inclusive while still being authentic. And I think it's one that I'm just continuing to try to figure out for myself as well. I'll be sure to link that in the show notes so you can find it. Okay, Jenna, this wasn't on the list and you can give me a really quick one-liner answer. It's my own personal question. When are you going to retire? (laughs) (laughs) I wish I knew the answer to that. You know, it's so funny. So I am so fortunate that I could retire if I wanted to, but I don't want to. So the thing that I'm telling myself right now is that I'm giving myself the next five years to pump the brakes, trusting that I know where the gas pedal is if and when I need it. And what I mean by that is seeing how Coco is going to be three And seeing how fast time is going and knowing that, you know, this will be our family and and these are the moments that we get to spend with our children at home makes me just trust in my ability to slow down and honor the fact that if I need to or want to speed up, I can whenever I'm ready. So I do foresee like the next five years just being at a little bit different of a pace and like welcoming that. 
but it's, I don't know. I love what I do. I can't imagine not working. And I think what that work is will pivot and change as well. But I don't know. It's something we talk about a lot. (laughs) That was such a fun question to ask on a personal level so I can plan my own career trajectory. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. You are set with me for at least another five years. Okay, good, good. Well, that was so fun. I'm so glad we got to get personal again on the show. Yeah. And thank you to all the listeners for asking great questions and being curious and being invested in our lives beyond just the work. It's so special. So I just feel very honored and excited to kind of enter into this new season with all of you. We can't wait to go along for the ride. Well, gold diggers, until next time. Keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.